this morning. Wave it at me. Let me see. Hold it up high. Joshua, the 14th chapter. The famous Renaissance artist Rembrandt was asked the question, what is your best accomplishment? And he replied, I haven't painted it yet. He went on to paint three more masterpieces, and obviously his best days are ahead. I want to tell you this morning that your best days are ahead. God has created you for a higher level, never wanted you to settle for status quo. He's got things for you. He has dreams for you, has plans for you. And this morning, you're in the right place to hear what God's purpose and plan is for your life. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of Caleb and Joshua when the people of God were delivered from Egypt and they went to pursue the promised land. Moses selected a a representation of every tribe, 12 tribes, and sent 12 men to spy out the land. When they went to spy out the land, everything that God had promised was there. It was a land that flowed with milk and honey. It had an overabundance, overflowing favor, overflowing blessing, and it was exactly what God said it was. However, 10 of the 12 spies were intimidated. They were frightened. In Numbers 13 and 33, they made the statement, There we saw the giants which come of the Enoch, and we were as grasshoppers in our sight, and so we were grasshoppers in our enemy's sight. That's a powerful truth right there. The way they saw themselves, so they assumed that the enemy saw them. And they, they decided and they voted not to go into the promised land and not take the advice of Joshua and Caleb And for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness, what was technically about a seven-day journey to get to the promised land. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Let me tell you something. People can have an impact on what you become if you allow them to wander around in your life. Do I have a friend in the house this morning? There are people that will speak negative to your purpose, your destiny, There are people that will speak blessing to your purpose and your destiny. One thing that I have realized in this story, that sometimes you can have too many voices speaking into your life at the same time. Uh, I know the old cliche says, many hands make light work, but it also says many cooks spoil the broth. And if you allow just anybody to speak into your life and to give you direction and give you give you any 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 type of content, if you're not careful, you get so many voices, it gets confusing. Can anybody relate? And this is where they were. There were ten spies that said, We cannot take the land, the the, the giants are too big. And the Bible says that their hearts melted for fear. We know fear is a tool of the enemy, it's a spirit. And aren't you glad today that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I want to bring attention to Joshua, the 14th chapter. And if I can see it, I will probably read it. Matter of fact, Pastor Todd, come and read this for me. Verse 7 through 14 in the New King James. Can you see it? It's a miracle. 
Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance, and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, and has said these forty and five years, even since the Lord spake these words unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and forty-five years old. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in that day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now, for war both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave unto Caleb the land of Jephunneh, Hebron, for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. He wholeheartedly followed the God. That was a very good reading. We had a little music behind it. Pastor Tucker read the whole Bible, and people would buy it and purchase it. Uh, a pretty cool story. Uh, Forty years after Caleb said, give me my mountain, the people of God wandered in the wilderness, and ironically, that generation died. Even Moses died. The only two guys that survived that generation was Joshua and Caleb. The word Caleb in the Hebrew means dog. And I thought, well, that was kind of a weird name to give a person, especially a great guy. But the word dog in the Hebrew also means loyal. Caleb was loyal. Caleb and Joshua went with ten others. They spied the land out. Here they are 40 years later. And here's what Caleb is saying. Forty years ago, I said, give me my mountain. I feel just as good today as I felt 40 years ago. And God has promised to give me my mountain, and I'm going to take my mountain. Look at somebody and say, give me my mountain. Now say it like you mean it. Give me my mountain. Now say it aggressively and shake your fist at me and say, give me my mountain. Today, I want to encourage you to pursue your mountain. There was a hymn we used to sing. Linda, you and I probably are the only ones that know it. But it says, Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith in heaven's tabled land. A higher plane that I have found, Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. That's the way that God relates. That's the way that God works. God wants you to pursue a higher thinking, a higher way of living, a higher way of acting, a higher way of treating people. You know, I had a couple of observations yesterday. I was around somebody that was very rude and disrespectful, and then I was around somebody that was very polite and kind, and I realized I would rather hang around a polite and kind person than I would rude and disrespectful. Do I have a friend in the house? And I have learned the better you treat people, the better the Lord treats you. Is that, is that makes sense? To it? The better you treat people, the better the Lord, even when they're not worth treating better, 
even when they don't qualify to be on that list of who's who or that list of who I want to impress of who I want to bless. But if you treat other people the way you would want them to treat you, that's dangerous because a lot of us beat ourselves up, disqualify ourselves, badmouth ourselves, discredit ourselves, and if we treat other people the way we want to be treated, we seem to have this complex that it's a failure mentality, it's a loser mentality, but that's not the way that God rolls. God rolls with the attitude of there is a mountain with your name on it, and he wants you to have it, but you got to ask for it. And then when you ask for it, you got to believe by faith, you receive it. And then you need to begin to declare it. You need to, and what Caleb did in this, in this story, he kept the dream alive. He kept the dream alive. Forty years ago, he had a dream. Forty years ago, he had a vision. Forty years ago, he had, he had purpose. He had, he had direction. And for 40 years, he hung around a bunch of loudmouth loser people. Hello. All they did was badmouth destiny, badmouth favor. They fussed at God for quail and, and, and angel food cake. They fussed at God because water flowed out of rocks. A river followed them. They fussed at God because he gave them a cloud by day to hide them from the sun and a pillar of fire by night to keep them warm. All they did was whine and complain, yet somehow Joshua managed to keep his sanity. He didn't kill anybody, didn't choke anybody, didn't beat anybody up, didn't blow anything up but kept his sanity, kept his purpose, and he kept his dream alive. First thing in life you've got to do is feed your dream. You've got to make opportunity to pursue your dream. There are things that you need to do to qualify for your dream. Just to say that I want something doesn't get it. But when you want something and then you learn how to get it, when you learn how to pursue it, as most of you know, I spend quite a bit of time in the woods and the past several years, I have become a very avid and a very good uh, protector of this city. There are animals in the woods that have antlers. They can hurt you bad. They can, they can gouge you. They can run all over you. But I've kept this church safe now. For 29 years, this church has walked in safety. Has a one of you been gouged by, gored by a deer? Have one of you been run over by antlers? Have any of you been? No, I, everyone has been safe because I've spent a lot of time in the woods and I'm good at what I do. But you know what? No matter how good you become, I was just with uh, a bunch of guys. The Lord opened the door. And I don't know if Pastor Rhonda mentioned it, but the Lord opened the door last week for me to go. And uh, I stayed at a, at a house that we had 2,000 acres we were hunting. And there were eight guys there. And with the exception of me, they were all loudmouth alcoholics. They were all drunks. They were all, it was a crazy world. It was a crazy window. But the, my friend, actually is born again, who invited me, told me, he said, this is the first time I've ever hunted here that someone didn't get falling down drunk. And this is the first time I've hunted here that someone didn't say MF all the time. And so these eight guys started calling me preacher. And they said, okay, if I call you preacher, I said, well, only if you allow me to preach to you. But I said the way that I, I said the, and so, and so, so every, what was so funny in the three-day window, with that exception, all six of those guys got me off by myself 
and asked me about their marriage, asked me about their destiny, asked me about their purpose. And one morning we went out and there were two, there were two uh, four-wheel drive vehicles and I prayed for this four-wheel drive vehicle and they went out and killed a deer, harvested a deer and they came back bragging, the preacher prayed for us and we killed a deer the very next day. So help me, the next group, I prayed for them and they harvested a deer. So this group said, well, we got the preacher. This group said, well, is the preacher going to come back? And then when he wanted me to come back this weekend, I couldn't come back, but I let my life shine. And let me tell you what else I did. I made them five pounds of fudge and 10 pounds of jerky. I went out of my way Thursday to drive all the way to, to uh, Rossville to make sure they got the jerky, make sure they got the fudge. So even though I'm not there this week, I'm represented by my acts of kindness and my good deeds. And if any one of those guys, they all have my cell phone, if they've already invited me to come back next year and hunt in the rut, which is the best part of the season to be there. And, and so they've already invited me back. So you can make a difference. You can make a, you can impact lives, even though they may not think like you, they may not speak like you, they may not operate like you, but you can make a difference. And your dream ought to be, I want to make a difference every time I go to someone's life. I want to make a difference. I want to leave them better than when I found them. And that's all about keeping your dream alive. The second thing that you need to do as you pursue your dream, pursue your mountain, you need to take care of yourself. Joshua said, I'm 85, but I feel as good today as I did when I was 45. And that's quite an amazing story. And he said, I want my mountain. I'm ready to take it. He kept himself healthy. Now, I don't know if he ate keto. I don't know if he drank eight bottled waters a day. I don't know if he took vitamins. I don't know what he did, but he did something to keep himself healthy. There was a lady, a little overweight, decided to go on a fast, lose some weight. She got sick, had the flu for a couple of days, and then she got out of bed and put her pants on, and she went downstairs and said, Look, honey, these pants, I haven't been able to wear them for a year. They fit me. He said, Darling, those are my pants. It's important to stay healthy. It's important to stay vigorous. He said, I'm ready to fight a good fight. We need to stay involved in the battle, knowing that this is a war that we are in. Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight. David said, Lord, teach my hands to fight and my fingers to war. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. And know today that you are in a fight and you need to stay healthy. And the way you stay healthy physically is by eating protein and drinking Ensure. There you have it. When you're old like me, see, Ensure has all the vitamins and you don't have to go through all the fruit. Just drink one little drink and there you, there you have it. But you need to see, keep yourself healthy and keep yourself whole because you never know what God is going to call you into. You're never too old and you're never too young. I was, uh, uh, help me, the king... Uh, Je not Jedekiah, the, the Josiah was, was 12 when he started running the kingdom. I made a few notes here. Caleb was 85 when he took his mountain. Joshua was 80 when he led the people in the promised land. Moses was 80 when he heard the God's voice by the burning bush. Noah was 500 when he started building the ark. Abraham was 100 when he, brought, when he, when he got Sarah pregnant, and Sarah was 90 when she birthed Isaac. Know that you're never too old. 
Uh, Michelangelo composed over 300 poems, did his greatest work when he was 89 years old. Verdi wrote Alza Maria at the age of 85. Alfred Lord Tennyson, famous poem, Crossing the Bar. How many remember that poem? He was 83 when he wrote that poem. Daniel Webster was 70 when he put 80,000 words in his dictionary, the Webster's Dictionary. He was 70. Ogilvy, the Greek, wrote the Greek classic Homer. Remember the story of Homer? He didn't know Latin or Greek, but at the age of 50, he mastered both languages and wrote that poem. John Wesley, one of the famous evangelists of the 1700s, preached 40 years, wrote 400 books, spoke 10 different languages, and died at the age of 86. You're not too old to do and to be what God has called you to be, but you need to keep your dream alive. You need to stay healthy. And the last thing that you need to do is to outlive the doubters in your life. Sometimes those that are closest to us can be negative and controversial, and, 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 and their input is, is not, it's not helpful, it's not favorable, it's not helping us, it's just trying to disqualify us. But it's important that you allow your doubt to, to be conquered by love, by faith, by hope, and you outlive the doubters in your life. James 1 and 6 says that a double-minded man is unstable in all of his waves. He's like the wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Jude 1 and 22 says, be merciful to those who doubt. If you're a doubter here this morning, I want to encourage you. You can change your persona. You can change your psyche. You can start thinking the right things. You can start speaking the right things. You can start following up on what you're speaking and see your life turn around literally 180 degrees. Many people are 1 Timothy 1 and 18. Paul said they have shipwrecked their faith. 1 Timothy 4 and 1 said in the last days, some will absolutely abandon their faith. The people of Noah's day doubted Noah's word. He preached for 120 years and not one convert because they doubted the word that Noah spoke. Pharaoh doubted, Pharaoh doubted the words that Moses spoke. And 10 plagues later, he began to believe. King Zedekiah did not believe Jeremiah's prophetic report, did not follow the word of God, and they were captured by the Babylonians and lived in captivity for 70 years. The teachers of the law that, during that season doubted the teachings of Christ. John the Baptist was going through a storm in his life from prison. He doubted that Jesus was who he said he was. Thomas called the doubter, was not there when Jesus resurrected, and he had to put his, his fingers in Jesus' hands and feet and side. But aren't you glad this morning that we've not put our fingers in his hands, his feet, his side, but we believe him, and because he lives, we can face every challenge that we go through today. Peter walked on water just for a few minutes, then he doubted, he began to sink. Aren't you glad? This morning, God's not calling us to walk on water. He's not calling us to turn the water into wine. He is calling us to take a drink of that fountain, that fountain that's filled from Emmanuel's veins. Do I have a friend in the house today that can relate to what pastor is saying? Revelation 16 11 said in the last days, people are coming to a place where they refuse to repent. But Luke 18 and 8 said, there's a day coming when the people will begin to believe that which they hear and that which they see. Caleb outlived his doubters. And when it was all said and done, Caleb took his mountain. 
1924, there were two climbers climbing the face of Mount Everest. They, they died. They did not make it to the top. And then just a few months later, there was a party sent to retrieve the bodies and climb the mountain. They were unable to bring the bodies back down. There are over 80 bodies on Mount Everest somewhere where they died, lost their life, froze to death, and they're at a place where they cannot be brought down. It would cost someone their life to try to bring them down from the mountain. But in 1926, they had a big meeting and they had a big picture of Mount Everest in the background. One of the main climbers, Sir Edmund Hillary, looked at his mountain and said, Mountain, you cannot grow anymore, but I can. Mountain, you cannot grow anymore, but I can. Don't let the height of your mountain intimidate you. Don't let the height of your mountain frighten you. Don't let the height of your mountain overwhelm you. In Habakkuk, the third chapter, the 19th verse, the very last words of that prophet, he makes the statement, Lord, let my feet be like hind's feet and let me climb to a higher place than I am right now. When you study the deer, something about the deer, I don't know if you've ever been, I know you've been to Chattanooga, but as you go over the ridge, there's a cliff face there at exit, right after exit 20, and many times you can drive by there, and on, literally on the side of the cliff, there are deer feeding on that, on that edge because the grass is so green. Did you know that when a deer runs, his rear feet uh, wind up in the same place, the front feet step? So the front feet, then the rear feet, and that's how they're able to be so balanced and so sure-footed. Aren't you glad this morning that you can have the feet of a deer and you can climb your mountain and you can run and pursue all that God has for you? You can catch it. You can be it. You can become it. You can, you can be involved in it. If you'll take a risk, if you'll take a chance, if you'll say, I'm going to climb my mountain. I conclude with, I just got off the phone with Al this, uh, yesterday, and it looks like that in April um, we may be going to India and then going on to Nepal to Kathmandu where, Amy, I don't want to climb the mountain. I just want to touch it. I'm going to get, I'm going to, get to the, the base camp, which I think is 18,000 feet above sea level, and I'm going to reach out and touch that, that rock, and that will complete my bucket list. There really isn't anything else that I, I have on my list. I'm sure we'll come up with something but uh, that's on my bucket list that I'll get to touch. I won't ever climb that mountain, but one day from heaven, I'll look down and say, well, that mountain wasn't all that high. That wasn't all that hard. That wasn't all that. How, how many can relate? When you pursued a goal and you got there, it was like it wasn't as bad as I thought. It wasn't as hard as I thought. But the fact is I started, so in order to climb, you've got to begin. So I encourage you today to begin. I encourage you today to reevaluate your goals Reevaluate your priorities, reevaluate the things in your life that are important to you, and then come up with the plan. Come up with an A, B, C, D. Come up with a three-step or four-step plan. How can I accomplish this by doing this, 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 and this? And let the Lord help you do that. Father, we thank you for this season. We thank you for this word. We thank you for opportunity to worship, opportunity to give, opportunity to be involved in a cold a cold shelter, that you've opened these doors for us. You've blessed us. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for your favor. And we declare like Caleb, give me my mountain in Jesus' name. Y'all said, amen.